and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Robert Luke, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. And today we have our special guest joining us, Jim Edgar, Senior Consultant of Cargo Facts Consulting. Hi, Jim. Hello, my pleasure to be with you today. There's a very good reason why we have you um, here joining us today, of course, because this week was um, a pretty momentous week. Um, We had, um, of course, the final flyaway of the final 747 Boeing has produced, right? Um, So a very special moment, and this actually means something else for you, um, having previously worked with Boeing, doesn't it? Yeah, just about uh, from the onset of my career with Boeing, it involved some uh, phase of 747 um, and uh, lots and lots of memories and obviously was uh, monitoring a lot of very special news items and videos and testimonials. And it w- it really was kind of an emotional uh, week, as a matter of fact. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just watching the, I assume you were watching the, the live stream, but what were the main things that stood out to you um, as you were watching that? Well, at the risk of uh, uh, not allowing you or Robert uh, some similar observations, I there's so many things that uh, come to mind uh, besides the 55-year production run, the 1,574 units, the, uh, just so many things. But uh, from a, a cargo uh, standpoint, and even passenger for that matter, I, I've tried to summarize, and these are, these are the, the main impressions and things that came to mind. First of all, when the 747 was first envisioned and launched, and of course it was optimized as a freighter, um, it, uh, it basically doubled the size of, of the aircraft it was, was replacing, the, the 707, the DC-8, to some degree the VC-10, uh, IL-62. But uh, in any event, a dub- going doubling the size of the, the current models is quite an undertaking. Of course, they did that in a record 16 months from uh, envisioning it to actual the first prototype. Uh, But uh, besides doubling the size of both the passenger and the freighter, um, uh, I think it really globalized passenger travel, uh, opened it up to many new um, uh, customers and uh, certainly globalized air trade in terms of the range that it offered, the size, the economies, um, so that's kind of a, on, from a market standpoint, an engineering standpoint, pretty remarkable. But as I thought about operationally what it did to our business, because of course I started my career on the ramp um, at LAX, so I'm pretty familiar with how things uh, were done uh, before the 747. Um, I think two things stand out. First of all, the nose door, uh, unique, and uh, obviously the cockpit and upper deck was put above the main deck so that it allowed long and outsized loads to be loaded through the nose. That was very significant. And then number two, 
Uh, most people don't realize that because of the immense size of the 747, both the main deck pilot, uh, pallets that we are very familiar with now, as well as the LD-3, was developed in direct response to the introduction of the 747. So uh, those were major, major um, events in, in our air cargo realm. First, the size, the opening international intercontinental markets, and then the, uh, the load devices that we use routinely um, and uh, uh, just kind of take for granted now. So those are, I've given you way more than I intended, but uh, those are some of my impressions as I recounted the history of the 747 and really uh, how remarkable it was and what a groundbreaking aircraft it was at the time and continues to be. That is awesome, Jim. Thanks for sharing. You know, aside from the 747, uh, the concept initially being designated for freighter service and actually the last production model being a freighter. Uh, one, the first question I'll ask is, what are some of your most fondest memories about the aircraft, whether direct working experience or, you know, working with Boeing on a few of the projects that uh, grew with the different versions and uh, production models? And just from a personal standpoint, because I'm curious about this one, did Boeing retire this freighter type a little prematurely? Well, now you're asking for opinion, but let me answer your first question, Robert. Um, uh, back a little over 20 years ago, when the 74-400 uh, was um, <clears throat> beginning to uh, show its age, shall we say a little bit, usually we mm -hmm. figure about a 20-year production run. And uh, anyway, uh, about 20 years ago, um, Boeing took the initiative to uh, begin conducting a, a very high level by invitation only with our biggest freighter customers, uh, a meeting uh, every six months to talk about what would be appropriate and what our customer airlines wanted in terms of a replacement for the seven, the very successful 747-400. And uh, at that time um, we had, you know, all the, the usual suspects, the very important freighter customers all over the world. We tried to have geographic diversity, business model diversity, express carriers, general cargo combination carriers, all cargo carriers, and so on. So we, we held this meeting every six month, months over all over the world at different locations, um, putting together product development, product strategy engineers together with our customers and then would report back on what was possible and anyway, the latest developments. Well, um, during the course of that, um, uh, I had the opportunity and privilege and I still counted a huge privilege to really get to know Joe Sutter uh, on a personal basis and uh, travel with him actually to these meetings and uh, spend some serious one-on-one -on -one time with him. And first of all, um, I'd have to say Joe never held back. He he was um, very very bright. Uh, that it and if you don't know who Joe Sutter is, he was the chief engineer of the 747. He led this incredible's team um, on the 747 journey over 16 months to come up with a prototype. So he had a real strong history with and personal investment in the aircraft so anyway i got to travel with him and get to know him and interact with him regularly 
So one recollection comes to mind, and uh, we were making our way uh, to London Heathrow on a flight together, seated next to each other. And, and uh, as we were taxing at Heathrow, uh, I looked out the window and uh, there was a Singapore Airlines Dash 400 passenger aircraft. And that particular aircraft had a decal or something on its fuselage that said 1000th 747. And of wow. course, ultimately 1574 were produced. Wow. Um, and I looked over at Joe and I said, Joe, look at that. I said, in your wildest dreams, did you ever imagine that there would be that many 747s produced? And a little smile cracked on his face and he shook his head and he said, Jim, never, never imagined. Because of course, 747 was an interim aircraft. Passenger started with a 100, but ultimately it was gonna be a freighter, converted to yeah. a freighter and the SST would take over. So anyway, I, that's one of my most memorable among many, many uh, recollections of Joe. Um, and, I, and the fact that they ended up with 1,574, and uh, that was the thousands, uh, I think says a lot about the, the, um, uh, the aircraft, it, its adaptability in so many different venues and situations and usages, and just a remarkable, remarkable achievement. Uh, any way you want to look at it. Yeah, that's amazing that you got to to fly with him and, and talk to him. And because I mean, the, there's a special um, decal on this final aircraft um, of of Mr. Stutter, um, which is fitting. And I was also going to say it's uh, it's also fitting that the 747 was originally uh, or was always envisioned to be a, a freighter. Um, so kind of full circle moment that this final one um, is a Dash 8 freighter. Um, and I was going to, I wonder how many 747s have you flown on, Jim? Oh roughly? my goodness. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I wouldn't even begin. I have, I do keep a personal flight log, so I yeah. suppose I could go back and count, but uh, <laughs> I, imagine I it's, consider it's quite myself a bit. an analyst, but not maybe that uh, detailed. Yeah. Rob, have you flown on any 747s? I was just about to say, I would love to just trade from one of those flight experiences that you have in your personal flight log, Jim, because I've yet to fly on one. So uh, hopefully before they actually do come to a uh, full closure, I'll get the opportunity to experience that. And, you know, definitely say I've, I've enjoyed that uh, opportunity to board one and uh, take a flight. However, when I worked at Logan, I used to constantly uh, be around and sometimes help work on the 747-200 from Northwest that operated those at that time, as well as uh, British uh, British Airways when they had them coming into Logan International, but never got a chance to fly one. So let me just uh, add one more personal anecdote that I think um, any listener that's ever flown on a 747 can relate to. Um, the, the first flight of the, you know, the very first 747 that was, uh, uh, that's now at the Museum of Flight, Boeing Field in Seattle, um, uh, was in 69. And they were, the 747 was introduced by Pan Am, of course, uh, Transatlantic in uh, early 1970, January 1970, well, March of 1970. I was uh, returning home on spring break from college 
and I booked a 747 out of JFK to Los Angeles. And again, this is something I think anybody can relate to that's that's traveled on a 747. Um, I was used to 707s, and as I um, entered the aircraft from the jet bridge at JFK, um, you know, there was no DC-10s, there was no L-10s, there was no A-300s, there was no wide-body aircraft at that point. And to uh, enter the um, interior, the cabin of a 747, having never done so before, it was an, an incredible experience, how large it was, how spacious it was. And uh, I was just struck by the size of it. It it was just incredible. Yeah, there is something special when you walk in and you see those stairs going up to the upper deck. Um, I mean, yes, the A380 also has stairs, uh, both front and at the back. But I feel like that there is something different about the 747 um, and its upper deck. And I, I, I've been lucky enough to travel um, on the upper deck of um both 400s and dash eights actually um and so obviously i used to um when the 747 400s were more widely um in service uh, on the passenger side uh i used to find them quite a bit going back and forth between uh hong kong and london um so uh, yeah so i've 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 flown on um few uh, more or more than a few 747 400s but um yeah it's uh it's still very special um and certainly on the on the dash 8 but i have never um i don't think i don't recall having ever flown on uh, a 747 freighter so and that but i know that's pretty difficult to uh to, to arrange for someone who's not a pilot um or doesn't work in the airline industry but um yeah we'll, we'll see if uh, if that happens um because i mean yes the final one has left the factory but of course they will be continuing to fly for for many many years um but that takes us to the future um and this is something we've talked about before um the future of the large wide body freighter segment um and as we know the this rivalry between Airbus and Boeing on the A350F and the 777-8F um, is continuing to uh, heat up. And we now have um, some new customers um, and more potential ones um, this year. But um, also on the, the large wide body segment, um, several things happened, or we've reported on several things this past week. Um, and the first of those is that uh, UPS confirmed to us that they have now started uh, retiring their MD-11s. Um, so they've now sent two uh, to the desert and uh, they are rep basically replacing these with uh, new 767s as they come in because they've got multiple units coming in this year, seven I think, um, and more in the, in the following years. Um, but it is interesting because they do not have a any large wide-body uh, freighters on order. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and this is, you know, at the same time, FedEx is also, well, FedEx has now retired all of its MD-10s um, and has also started parking, again, some of um, its MD-11s. 
Um, but Rob, you also reported on um, another story uh, on the wide, large wide body conversion side of things. Yes, we're starting to see a uh, startup group out of uh, the Asia Pacific uh, definitely make some rapid advances right away. Fly Meta, Hong Kong, excuse me, Hong Kong based Fly Meta started off with their own controlled 747-400, which is currently being operated by Air Atlanta Icelandic, uh, recently confirmed that they have placed an order for some 777-300 ERSFs that they will be uh, partnering with AirCap to have the full conversion set completed uh, through IEI, Israeli Aerospace Industry. So um, we're looking forward to them and the movement with that uh, announcement that came through this week as they expect to have the first two, if I'm not mistaken, coming into uh, conversion and full completion by 2024 with the remaining to follow in 2025. So we just wanted to acknowledge that as that is definitely um, groundbreaking news to report on this week. Um, in closing, I, I will just reflect back and, and just say, Jim, you know, uh, it's, it's definitely awesome to hear the wonderful stories and, you know, reflecting on your time with uh, Mr. Sutter, it, you know, that was definitely not a coincidence for you to be able to fly with him to London and the the 1,000th produced 747 was there waiting for you guys to kind of give him a sense of nostalgia and put some, uh, you know, encouragement into him as he continues to try to push for the program's continuation. Uh, you know, that was definitely historic all on a personal and professional note. And, um, you know, again, we will miss the queen of the skies because literally the 747 gave birth to the uh, large wide body segment. So um, that's all the time we have for today. For more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connects on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time.